Hey to all you fish enthusiasts out there. Whether you're an avid angler or just curious about fish, we'd like to welcome you to Fish of the Week. I'm Katrina Liebick with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service in Alaska. And I'm Guy Eero, a, a guy who might just be a little too interested in fish. It's Monday, March 8th, 2021, and we're excited to talk about all the fish. This week's fish is the king salmon, also known as the Chinook salmon, and sometimes the Tai, if we got any listeners down in British Columbia. Okay, so when you think about Chinook salmon or kings, you may think about the runs that happen in the summer when the fish are returning to spawn. The fishery that we're going to be talking about today is targeting these fish when they're at sea during the ocean phase of their life cycle. Our guests today are Mike Booz and Holly Dixon, who are the sport fish area managers with the Alaska Department of Fishing Game. And we're going to be talking specifically about winter kings in Kachemak Bay. Nice to have you two today. Thanks for having us. Thanks. I do have a question, which is related to the specific epithet of Chinook salmon. I'm curious how you guys go about pronouncing that. Uh, you're asking about the scientific name? Yeah. For people who uh, aren't, uh, who don't know how it's spelled, the the Chinook salmon is Oncorhynchus T-S-H-A-W-Y-T-S-C-H-A. I've heard it pronounced a lot of different ways. Chawicha, cha-cha for people who are kind of lazy about it. Uh, and I'm trying to figure out what's official and what do you guys say? Well, yeah, I think everyone says it a little different. I was taking a, a salmon class from Tom Quinn at University of Washington a few years ago. And he's kind of a salmon expert for those who know. And I asked him in the class and he didn't have an answer. So I think that says it all. But I would say shawy shaw. Oh, my. OK. I've been saying it wrong. The faster you say it, the more likely you have it right. Yeah. Cha-cha. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, that sounds like it. <laughs> so where are these kings originating from, and what are they doing in Kachemak Bay this time of year in Alaska? Okay, so these king salmon that are hanging out in Kachemak Bay in the wintertime are from all over the place. It's really a mixed stock fishery. So they come from all over the West Coast and the Gulf of Alaska, California, Oregon, Washington, British Columbia. Oh, wow. From 2014 through 2018, we conducted a genetic study to assess the mixed stock composition to genetic reporting groups okay. in Cook Inlet. And the winter fishery was comprised of 99.8% fish from outside of Cook Inlet. Oh, wow. I've heard these fish called feeder kings. Is that due to their kind of that phase in their life cycle where they're feeding at sea? Or is there some other reason that they're they're called that? Or is that a common term, I guess? I think that, yeah, that comes from the phase of the, they're, you know, they're in their ocean phase. So they're out there looking for as much food as they can. They're not the spawners yet. So these, these feeder kings in the in the winter tend to be about two years old or they they're in their second winter in the ocean is the okay. most common age that we see here. These are just fish that are out rearing in the ocean, growing bigger prior to returning to yep. their, you know, natal stream to spawn. And I guess just to give people a visual, like how big is a two year winter fish and can you just describe what they look like? I mean, they look a little bit different than they do when they're well into their spawning migration into freshwater. Yeah. So a fish that's a two ocean fish or it's in its second winter in the ocean is it's about 10 pounds. It could be a little bit bigger, 10 to 15. 
And yeah, they're really gorgeous in this stage. This is definitely before they start to turn their spawning colors and go back. But, you know, you also can't tell if they're male or female, really. They don't have any of the hooked jaw going on. But yeah, they're really full and bright and silvery. You know, they lose their scales easily when you get them in the net. Yeah, they're just gorgeous at this point. Awesome. You mentioned that, uh, you just mentioned right there, that these fish are silver and it's hard to distinguish between uh, the sexes and they look a lot different than the salmon that people typically think about when they go into spawn. I'm curious, uh, I've heard that it's hard to tell salmon apart from uh, one another, all the different five Pacific salmon species that are out there. How can you tell that what you're catching are actually king salmons down there and not some other species? Well, there's a, there's a few defining characteristics for kings. Um, I think the two best things to look at are the color of the gums. So their, their mouth is completely black. You know, one of their synonymous names is black mouth. And then the spots on the tail. So they have black spots on both the upper and lower lobes of their tail. But the other thing is that we really don't catch any other species of salmon here in the winter. There aren't coho or sockeye feeding in Cook Inlet or Catchmack Bay here in the winter. It's just king salmon. Yeah, kind of fascinatingly so. If someone catches a coho or a chum, those would be the next two most prevalent. It's like, it's big fishing news around town. What's the mix of like folks that have their own personal boat versus, you know, going out with a guide or their guide services running this time of year? In the winter, it's really popular to book a charter for the Winter King Derby. That's in April this year. So I think typically a lot more charters will get going by then so that they can can take people out during the derby. What's the... What's the derby? Like, what's the, what do you get for doing Oh, man. Uh, it's been growing in popularity the last, you know, five or 10 years. So, you, you know, it's a $100 entry fee, I think. And so there's a prize, money prize for first through 10th place fish. So this is all put on by the Homer Chamber of Commerce. I think the last King tournament, there was roughly 1,400 anglers on, on the one. One oh my day, goodness. the the winning okay, so fish cool. was about twenty six pounds. Mm-hmm. I think the last few years, the person who's you know caught the biggest fish has has won upwards of fifty or sixty thousand dollars as a prize. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's a high stakes derby. All of a sudden, um, it's really popular. Yeah, it's a fun day. <laughs> wow. Hey there, everyone. One thing that we want you to always keep in mind, regardless of what it is that you're fishing for, is safety. Every week we're going to give you a tip or two that you can use to stay safe while you're angling. A situation that you might not think about while you're fishing is skin care. Snow and ice have high albedos, meaning that they reflect sunlight very well. In fact, fresh snow can reflect up to 95% of the light that hits it. What does this mean for us anglers then? Well, it means that on a nice sunny day, we have intense sunlight coming at us from both the sky and the ground. You want to make sure that you're wearing a hat, sunglasses, and photoprotective clothing as well as sunscreen, preferably with zinc oxide or titanium dioxide as active ingredients on exposed areas of the skin. 
Remember that the ultraviolet radiation responsible for causing sunburns, and even skin cancer, penetrates clouds, so don't let an overcast sky lull you into complacency. So if we're talking about kind of these these feeders they're at sea feeding, what are they eating and how does that inform what people are using to to catch them with? Like what kind of baits, what kind of lures, what kind of techniques? Yeah, so match the hatch, kind of the same thing as fly fishing in the stream. Mm-hmm. You're still doing that in, in salt water fishing for king salmon. King salmon overall feed primarily on forage fishes and small invertebrates. So in the Gulf of Alaska or here in Kachemak Bay, um, some of the primary forage fish that we have are herring, sand lance. They'll also feed on capelin, ulicon, crustaceans. They'll feed on on worms and they'll also feed and squid in you know a good chunk of the Gulf of Alaska. And so working backwards from squid, there's plastic lures called hoochies that mimic those. Mm-hmm. They're just a, a plastic skirt that work pretty pretty darn well. Herring being kind of the primary uh, food source for these guys is also the primary bait used to fish for for king salmon in, in salt water. And then on the fishing line itself from the rod, you know, you, almost everyone fishes with a flasher. So these are, you know, attractants, they rotate and spin in the water, catch the, the king's attention. There's lots of different colors and, and styles that have different action. It'll kick around back there and, and move your bait or your lures in different ways. One of the most common setups I would say is a white flasher with herring in a in a head clip back there but there's all kinds of variations on that and in terms of how you present the bait um i mean are you trolling are you mooching um are you kind of where in the water column are you um just yeah how 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 do you present the bait to them for the most part these fish are are down deep and so the longer you can keep your gear bait at the depth that you think they are, the more likely it'll be that you you get bit. So I think that's the benefit of trolling. Mooching is not a term that I've actually ever heard before. Can you describe that for me real quick? Mooching with either primarily herring as bait or even you can do it with spoons, but you're using typically an inline weight to drop the bait or lure down to a particular part of the water column. And you're fluttering that by slowly lifting it up and down. Now, why is it? Yeah, you're not. Why is it you're called? Not on, I don't know why it's called mooches. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And don't, and don't ask me why they're called hoochies either. <laughs> I was going to. <laughs> So yeah, you you get out there with your boat and then you've got rods and you need to get them down to the depth that these kings are at. So almost everybody uses downriggers, you know, with a lead cannonball on them. Is it common practice for people who go out in a fishing party of three or four people maybe to, when they're looking for the fish, to set the downriggers at different depths? and see where those where they, where they start getting strikes yeah for sure yeah the more people you can have on your boat the more 
downriggers that you can fit on your boat without making a huge mess, which does happen, you know, the more likely you are to figure out where the bite is or where the fish are. Um, I guess one final question in this part of the podcast, and it's in terms of preparing yourself to be out on the water. Do you have any tips for keep it warm or what you should bring if you're going to be going out with friends or on a boat, just yeah, general safety or preparation tips. Yeah. Endless amount of Mm -hmm. logistics or or planning or preparation for participating in winter King salmon fishing here in Homer. I really like to take an ice scraper with me (laughs) when I go out on days that it's cold to be able to remove ice or freezing spray from the windshield of the boat. Uh, I think it's really important to pay attention to your, your deck and how slippery it gets and, you know, just an extra layer of caution for, you know, the conditions that you're going in. And then the other thing, not that there's not strong currents and tides in other places too, but Cook Inlet's kind of got a good reputation for its tidal exchange. Yeah. And to put that tide in perspective for folks that are maybe listening from other parts of the states, what, I mean, what are the tides? They're, they're huge, correct? I mean, how big are they? How big are we talking? The, the standard or average is 17 feet of tidal exchange. It will go all the way up to close to 25 feet of exchange from low tide to a high tide. Yep. It's something you got to think about when you're launching a boat as well. Make sure you get that timing right. And, you know, we see people fishing in in sea kayaks or small inflatable boats close to the Homer Spit. Those are very brave people. Okay, so to get into the the cooking piece of this and to make people hungry, do you guys have a favorite recipe for Winter Kings or Kings in general? Chinooker Kings, and they're the, the best salmon that you can eat. And then on top of that, coming out of the ocean, these feeder kings are, are the most rich. And they're, they're very high in oil content, and the big ones are, are really oily. Um, so I don't think you can do anything wrong. I tend to think fresh is the best and use a lot of salt to put a good crust on top. One of my favorite ways, I and mean, you want to make sure you freeze it first, but is to make like fresh poke with rock and salmon. That's oh, yeah. really good. So I've heard from some friends of mine who've gone fishing for kings around uh, Homer that every once in a while you'll catch a fish that when you open it up, it doesn't have that distinctive orangey red flesh that we associate with salmon. It's more of a pale kind of white meat. Uh, is this something? Is this a different subspecies of king? Is this uh, just a unique kind of variant, a, a mutant of some sort? Uh, can you talk a little bit about this and whether the meat tastes any different than the orange and red flesh? Yeah, so these white kings, we definitely catch them occasionally around Homer. They're not a different species or a subspecies. They're just missing the ability to express that orange pigment in their flesh. So it's sort of like an albino fish, but just in the flesh. They tend to come from, or they're more common in a couple of river systems in British Columbia, or they, you know, 
Chinook salmon or king salmon that come from most of the river systems around Cook Inlet or in Alaska are not white king salmon. So they are like, you know, genetically identifiable in that sense. But otherwise, they're exactly the same as the rest of the the perfectly orange king salmon swimming around. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, white king salmon are, are always great and oily, but they're, you know, they're just as good as the, the orange ones and vice versa. So there's not really any flavor difference. They are kind of a more prized though. You know, anglers tend to get very excited when they get a, a white king and yeah, there's some prestige around them, I would say. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Holly. I have really enjoyed this discussion. Yeah, thanks. That was a lot of fun. It's nice talking to you both. Okay, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Fish of the Week and that you get out there and enjoy all the fish. Thanks for listening to Fish of the Week. My name is Katrina Liebich and my co-host is Guy Iro. This show is produced by David Hoffman of Citizen Racecar, assisted by Garrett Tiedemann and Kelsey Kors. Fish of the Week is a production of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Alaska Region, Office of External Affairs. As the service reflects on 150 years of fisheries conservation, we honor, thank, and celebrate the whole community, individuals, tribes, the state of Alaska, our sister agencies, fish enthusiasts, scientists, and others who have elevated our understanding and love as people and professionals of all the fish.